2: Think it's time to walk away
1: of the in between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim.
2: and I'm Christina M. I
1: don't know about y'all, but I look forward to Christina's little interruption there every <laughs> yeah. single time. Literally, I have no idea what you're going to say. Me neither.
2: So. <laughs> Until we hit record, I'm like, what am I? Like, okay, now. No.
1: <laughs> and that is honestly the perfect one liner to say because today we are interviewing Gary Thomas on his book. When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People.
2: Y'all, this, first of all, this book was revolutionary for us. I actually read it a few times. The first time I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's good. The second time, I'm like going deeper. But the third time, we were going through some own personal stuff and just... It was literally gave us mic drops time and time again and just Mm -hmm. nuggets of wisdom to really apply to our situation of what do we do when we feel like this relationship is toxic? Not between you and I, Mm -hmm. but just with other people who maybe at one point it was okay and then tables have turned, situations kind of arose and it Mm -hmm. was just time to take a break
1: yeah i mean on our podcast we've talked a lot about boundaries and the importance of setting healthy boundaries and you know these days i mean with facebook and instagram they make it easy right to either unfollow or mute someone i'll see less of you for 30 days (laughs) right because we live in this day of outrage where people just things are so polarized and it's so easy to just get annoyed and mute someone And yeah, that might be okay to do or easy to do on social media, but not quite so in person or when something is in your face.
2: Yes. And he goes into the whole discussion of what a toxic person is. How do you know if you are a toxic person or another person is a toxic person and the steps to go on to freedom?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So today's episode is going to be incredibly helpful for you to discern whether or not you are in a toxic relationship. Now, this may apply to your marriage, but it may also apply at work or in your family or in your neighborhood or in your church or in any other area, this is really to equip you, kind of like if you listen back to our series on how to make friends.
2: Yep, adult friendships. Yeah,
1: adult friendships, and how practical and useful that was that's really the level to which this episode is at. We know you're going to love this episode. Gary Thomas is a second-time guest mm-hmm. on our podcast. He's a best-selling author, international speaker, whose ministry brings people closer to Christ and closer to others. He is the author of Sacred Marriage. And which we interviewed him about. Yes, exactly. And we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but without further ado, enjoy this interview with him on his new book, when to Walk Away.
2: Gary, thank you so much for coming back on our podcast. We're so thrilled to have you.
3: Well, thank you for having me back.
2: Well, last time we talked to you, we were talking about the good, the hard and the beautiful parts of marriage, the aspects, and also really touching on your book, Sacred Marriage. But this time, we want to be talking to you about your latest book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. And that may sound a little bit of a flip of a switch, right? You're going from (laughs) sacred marriage to toxic people. So would you be able to walk us through what was the inspiration of the book? And maybe even during this pandemic, is there anything that you would have wanted to add to the book, too?
3: Yeah. Well, the only thing I would add is that in twenty nineteen we were told to stay away from negative people. That's what I say in twenty twenty we're told to stay away from positive people. so <laughs> a little bit of a bad joke there to start i'm I, I'm sorry um I'll dip it a little, ding, in it. <laughs> When to walk away in in large part came out of my own naivete uh and I'm embarrassed I'm in my fifties that I didn't know this younger. Uh, I was just running up against a situation with, I, I believe, a toxic person and had just found out how much toxicity had been going on. I think most listeners can relate to that. You you know, something might be off and then all of a sudden the doors opened up and you're like, wow, they just really have a problem with me. And I, I get somebody having a problem with me. But the things about lying and undercutting, you're just like, why is that? I, I have better friends than any man could ever deserve. Uh, for whatever reason, God has just blessed me all all over across the country. I called up one. He's been a marriage and family therapist for 30 or 40 years. And he knew a little bit of the situation. I just explained to him what was going on. And I, my question was, I want to be a responsible believer here. How do I honor God in the way I respond to this? Do I confront this directly? And, and I was shocked when he said, Gary, my advice is that you don't engage with this person at all. Now, speaking as a Christian, that seemed mystifying to me that you would just let this go. And and here's a conversation that literally changed my life. There's some of those where you look back. This one was that significant. He says, I'd encourage you to go through the book of Luke, count how many times Jesus let somebody walk away from him without Jesus giving chase, or how many times um, Jesus chose to walk away. Well, when I respect somebody like that, and I respect him very highly, it wasn't enough for me to stop at the book of Luke. I went through all four Gospels, Mm. and I recorded, and it became the appendix for the book, When to Walk Away. I recorded 41 instances in Scripture where Jesus walked away from somebody or let somebody walk away from him without Jesus giving chase. It wasn't always about a toxic situation. And because some of the Gospels recount the same story a few times or repeated, But there's still over two dozen instances that just opened up my eyes that having to part ways isn't always a failure. Sometimes it's a very wise strategy. And Because I would have looked at it as a failure before. I don't believe Jesus could ever fail. Um, And it just opened up my eyes to a whole new vision of ministry. I've always focused on the offense. If we could just love if we could just have experience, if they could just see our good intentions. Mm-hmm. And for most people, that will work. <laughs> but yeah. there is this class of toxic people for whom we're we're if I could use it for, we're like red meat to piranhas. I, I don't know, do piranhas mm. eat red meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mixing up metaphors, but but basically we're we're just we're we're pray for them that they'll yeah. they'll have mm-hmm. a playtime with us if we don't become wise. And how we deal with toxic people.
1: Yeah, w- once we got your book, and I mean the number of so we do dates uh, every Friday, usually in the morning, uh, sometimes in the evening, and the number of weeks that we have talked about your book.
2: Yeah, I was like, are like, we bringing Gary's book months, to the to the date? We need to like, talk like, like literally
1: <laughs> over and over and over again as we've been. Christina read it through first, but for me, it was just like, oh my goodness, there's there's so much about this book. That I feel is incredibly timely for the age of outrage that we're living in right now, where there's just an increasing measure of uh, just this polarization in our culture and this sense of with the echo chambers, people shutting, you know, us being okay and, and feeling like we have to shut other people out. And it's almost like, hey, everyone's toxic unless they agree with me, but that's not how you define it in the book. Um, so there's I I think most people have this sense of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, toxicity is when they don't like my recipes and they don't like my photos on Instagram or and you know, we have this sense of what it is for a
3: different person. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes,
1: exactly, exactly. Right. So I'd love for you, uh we'd love for you to just to to define and describe what a toxic person is, and then we'll kind of get into it.
3: Yes. Okay. And I'm glad you asked that question because while every toxic person is difficult, not every difficult person is toxic. And I think it's very important to make that distinction. Just because I disagree with someone doesn't make them toxic. Just because they're a difficult Mm -hmm. person to be around doesn't make them toxic. I'm I'm a third born. I'm not a type A personality. I lean more toward gentle than forceful. So I shouldn't label forceful people toxic. They have Mm -hmm. a whole different personality makeup. But that doesn't make them toxic because they're more upfront than than I might be. Toxic is two things in general. Let me just say this: it's somebody who's taking little pieces out of you. That they're to interact with them. Parts of you. This is going to sound hyperbolic, but parts of you are being murdered. It it could Mm -hmm. be your confidence. It could be your joy. It could be your peace. After you interact with them, they're haunting you late at night. You're trying to listen to your kids or your spouse and you've got the the memory and 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 well-meaning sincere people might say well it seems like if i'm worried about somebody stealing my joy that's just selfish except we know the bible tells us the joy of the lord is our strength, strength. Mm-hmm. and so if i'm letting people make me weak it's like somebody training for the olympics that's being forced to mow somebody's lawn the day before a big competition or something i mean they're they're making you weak so you can't exceed If somebody's destroying my self confidence because they're gaslighting me, they're making me Mm -hmm. feel like I don't know anything. Like, well, I'm not going to speak up to others. I'm going to think I don't have something to share. Maybe I don't really even know what I'm talking about. And so I come from the perspective as really a Christian writer where I'm not, it's not primarily about psychological health, although that's a great aim. And I have no problems with that. I think it does help with that. The focus is really preserving. Your mission before God. I believe God yeah. created all of us with a very important task that only we can fulfill. And my responsibility is to protect myself from toxic people that keep me from doing that. So mm. it's they're destroying you and, and little parts of that. They tend to be very controlling. Not all toxic people are controlling, but they tend to be very controlling. They want you to do what they want you to do. They want you to vote for who they want you to vote for. They want you to say or agree or don't agree or whatever. They're going to determine your time. And often they'll change forms. It's like they'll be your friend. And then if you say no, they'll threaten you. And then if you say no, they'll bring others in. They're they're tenacious. I mean, most of us, non-toxic people can agree to disagree. Toxic people can't. They're like, they're not going to let it go. They're going to come after you. Um, hmm. another thing is that they tend to be murderous. I talked about that. I'm not talking about stabbing you, but they, they destroy small group gatherings. They destroy family gatherings. They destroy office environments. They like to hmm. turn people against people. They destroy relationships or they attack you personally, your peace, your confidence, your, your joy. And, and the third thing I've noticed is that they just love to hate. (laughs) I I live my life by the Bible, and there's a passage in the book of Colossians where Paul says what we're to avoid, and that's what toxic people major in, and what we're to embrace. He said we avoid anger, rage, malice, that's ill will towards somebody, slander, filthy language, and lying. And those are the tools of the trade for toxic people. Hmm. And Healthy people are to pursue compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and love. And, and so, the difference is when I read that, some of us say, "Well, and I act out of anger sometimes. I, I, I can have a little bit of ill will towards somebody." The difference is toxic people enjoy it; they they're bored. They're bored with a peaceful office environment where you're just making money and accomplishing a mission. Everybody's excited. They're encouraging each other. We're making this goal fit. Uh, They're bored with a family gathering where people are just catching up on their days and, and, and loving on each other. They're bored with a healthy marriage where two people love and encourage each other. Toxic people need division. They need strife. They feed off of conflict. It, it's really a spiritual sickness.
1: Yeah. I'm sure as you've been describing what a toxic person is, people have been, our our, our podcast family has have probably been thinking of uh, a few names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah. Well, wait a second. Wait, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Wow. Um, but there's something you said in the book, Gary, where um, you said, just because someone is toxic to me, doesn't mean they're toxic to everyone, right? Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I think there could be toxic relationships,
1: mm-hmm. um,
3: and and it's like fire is a good thing and gasoline is a good thing, right? Fire can mm-hmm. heat up food, gasoline can power your car. You put the two together, and there's an explosion. It <laughs> doesn't mean fire is bad or gasoline is bad. It means they don't mix. And mm-hmm. and this this required humility on my part, which isn't easy for me. I used to think if I was just a sold out Christian who knew the scriptures, who operated in love and surrendered to God's Holy Spirit, that I could be used by God to be the answer for anybody. You know, I mean, just mm-hmm. and, and it was humbling to realize I'm not the best person to reach some people. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm irritating to them. They're irritating to me. And it's just humbly recognizing there's a need for the church, the church at large. God brings a lot of different people together. And so it's what allows me to walk away because some people and and earnest ones, I think, well, Gary, wait a minute. If you walk away from toxic person and if everybody walks away from them, who's going to reach them? Mm -hmm. And this is where I think God just makes us differently where there may be people that can interact with them without being destroyed without having their self-confidence murdered, without really having pieces taken out of them. And so it's just recognizing I, I, I can't help them. This this may be a better analogy. I have a friend who, um, he says, when you're dealing with a certifiably toxic person, uh, he goes, Gary, if somebody came into your office as a pastor and said, man, I, my, I, I really need a root canal and I can't afford an oral surgeon. Would you please just do it for me? I, I believe you're a godly man and you can pray. And he said, you wouldn't even think about doing that. And I said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And he goes, well, there's no shame when you're dealing with somebody who's really addicted and you're not qualified to do that or mm. it really has an, a certifiably, not narcissism is a sense of, just self focused, but a certified narcissist. He goes, it's the same kind of malpractice that you would think that you can be used to heal or cure a truly toxic person when you don't have the training for it. Um, Mm. And and so it was was so freeing for me. Hmm. Just the, the, the things that I poured in this book, it was just, it was this declaration of freedom that I want to be most effective where I can Right. And without guilt, walk away from situations where I'm over my head or we just don't mix. And, and I'm not doing it to just have an easy life. Mm-hmm. To be honest, my view of Christianity is I live to be bothered. Every day I want to wake up. Lord, who can you use me to encourage, to bless, to strengthen, or maybe confront if that's your will. Right. So it's about being more strategic, not about being lazy. It's not so much about protecting myself as protecting the ministry that God has given me. And if I could stress one thing, Mm -hmm. what I want to come out of this more than playing defense is a need to play offense. Everyone listening to us, I believe if you are in Christ, and this is an invitation to become a Christian if you're not, um, you have God's Holy Spirit within you. You have the most important message where you can be forgiven and then enlisted in God's work, building his kingdom. And you're not alone. You have God's spirit to work through you, who will gift you, who will use you, who will just help you go forward. So your days matter as much as anybody's on this planet matters. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about God's spirit. It's not about the giftedness of the messenger. And so I want people to say, if you let a toxic person terrorize you, you're, you're, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting the people that God could allow you to use.
2: Wow. That is so powerful, Gary. And I know you've used many examples, really practical examples, even in your own life, in your book to exemplify what you're talking about. I don't know, Gary, if you felt, even as you were writing this, I know as I was reading this, I was really challenged because there was one part of me understanding the offense, like you're talking about. There's another part of me, what was struggling, and you said this too, is like, but what where where's the love right that um sort of like as christians i grew up like we're supposed to forgive and in some ways that if we just continue to forgive and forgive and focus on unity that things will just turn out like god will take care of us and so reading this book was really powerful to challenge some of these misbeliefs and learn that there are times that we do really need to walk away. So. How do we, if someone's grown up in the church and has the same beliefs as I do that we're being challenged with, how do we know it's actually time to walk away from a toxic situation or relationship? And can you just tell us how to do it too? Is it like blocking the person? Is it driving away from them and shutting the door and never wanting to see their face again? Closing Zoom. (laughs) Exactly. Is there something (laughs) else to it too?
3: Well, th- those are two big questions because yeah. <laughs> the walking away part we'll deal with secondly because that depends on if you work with them, if they're a boss, mm. if they're a family member, all kinds of different issues. Mm. But the um, h- how do you know somebody's worthwhile investing in? Um, mm. I-, I get what you're saying about that. We know we're called to love, where I think we're just weak as Christians is that sense of mission that our life really mm. does matter. Love loving others matters, but I would say in one sense, Jesus viewed mission as the ultimate statement of his love. A a good example was, you know, the rich young ruler, a lot of people familiar Bible. a very wealthy man came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to be saved? And one of the gospel writers says, Jesus loved him. There was something about this young man that really drew Jesus to him. It was a personal affinity. So, Jesus said something that was amazing. He said, Look, if you want to be perfect, sell all you have, give what you have to the poor, and then come follow me. That rich young ruler is the only person outside of the 12 disciples that got a personal invitation. Wow. Jesus spoke to crowds about following, but the sense of Jesus is inviting this man into the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Um, which was an incredible offer. And we know he loved him because the Bible, one of the gospel writers says Jesus loved him. And then we're told in the Bible, this is kind of a funny phrase. He went away very sad because he was very wealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, most people today think very wealthy means very happy, but he realized I can't do that. I, I have too much money to give it all up. And so he went away and what Jesus did was not to chase after him. This is one of those 41 instances. He turned to his disciples and said, let me explain to you why it's so difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So what we have here is a situation where Jesus loved someone, gave them an incredible invitation. They turned it down and Jesus didn't chase after him. He didn't say, you know what? A hundred percent is a little extreme. How about we start at 50% I'll disciple you up from there? And we No, he just... He turned to his disciples. And and that's really to answer your question. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.2, Timothy, whatever I've told you, entrust to reliable people who are qualified to teach others. So the first thing I'm looking for is if I'm investing in people, are they reliable? And will they pass on what I share with them with others? And then Jesus says at the end of his great commission, as Jesus is leaving earth, he says, make disciples of all people, okay, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. So I'm to be free with sharing, I believe, the message of God's offer of love and forgiveness and salvation to everyone I meet. If they're reliable, they're saying, well, tell me more. I'm willing to sacrificially spend time with them. But if they reject the notion, I don't want to obey what Christ taught. I reject what you believe. That's why I need to go find reliable people who want to learn what it means to follow the words and commands of Jesus. And so it's not like I write somebody off before I give them a chance. It just means strategically, hey, here's some truth. Do you want this truth? And if they say no, okay, I'm going to find someone else who wants it. Uh, Mm. And and that's just very freeing for me because maybe that first question is just one cog and God's got 10 more people they go through before he opens up their heart. Uh, Walking away doesn't mean writing off. Mm. It means in the moment, this isn't the most strategic use of my time to honor God. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Land, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends, and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available
0: wherever books are sold.
1: Yeah, well, how well put. Uh, you know, Gary, the last time we had you on, we interviewed you on your book, Sacred Marriage. Yes. And uh, as we said, we, that was one of the first books that we read together. Actually, I think we read it before we were mm-hmm. married because yeah. we were just as we were getting ready. And there's a line that you say in that book, right? What if God uh, didn't design marriage to make you happy, but to make you holy? Uh, and my my goodness, your book went to walk away. There are so many stories, like guys, podcast family, like I know you're listening in and you're like, oh, I think I think that person might be toxic, mm-hmm. that person might be toxic. The book is worth its price, not only for the insights but for the stories because mm-hmm. you just so it it just it just it just puts flesh on the bones and mm-hmm. and just gives you a perspective as to what else um is going on and 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 when i was reading that especially the stories about marriages and and where one partner was toxic it's just it just broke my heart yes right and and when when you said in your book sacred marriage you know what if god designed to you know what what if marriage was a way that god was going to make you holy i was like is like did that Does that mean for in the toxic relationships too, or or is that like way too far gone? Because I I I read the struggle like there the struggle Mm -hmm. in the marriage. It wasn't that, um, and I love the difference you said about toxic and difficult. Because there was like in your stories, in these stories, I mean, it was difficult, and I and I and I could read through your stories the way that these partners were trying to work through the difficulty. Mm-hmm. But so so tell us about that line. Like what happens if the toxic person is in your marriage?
3: Yeah, well, this was the hardest part for me <laughs> to write because I have spent my adult life trying to bless marriages and build marriages mm-hmm. and help keep marriages together. And let mm-hmm. me say without equivocation, I believe two people Surrendered to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, can overcome any marital challenge that's out there because I've seen God do it. God heals, He forgives, He gives grace. And I and and I've seen God so honored when people do that. But there was one instance, and I got chills down my spine, and this is where I was naive. When I'm working with a couple, and this guy, I believe, I I didn't know at first at the time, it as history unfolded, it was true. Wasn't just difficult. He was toxic. Mm. And I realized that this guy wanted to keep his marriage together, not because he believed in holding marriage together, not because he loved his wife. He enjoyed terrorizing his wife. Oh. And marriage gave him the most intimate platform available to be cruel and destructive to another human being. Oh my goodness. And 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 I I guess okay, call me foolishly naive. I'll accept it. I don't get the spiritual thrill that some people get out of being destructive like that. I mean it's yeah. like it's crazy evil. Yeah. But they're out there. And I think sometimes as a church, um we're a little bit naive about evil, and I, I realize uh, we can't afford to be because when we're naive about evil, we allow evil people to reign. Um, and, and so, you know, I've I mentioned in so many of my books, Matthew six thirty three, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's what I've been talking about, waking up. Yeah. What does God want me to do today? How can God use me? It's all about going on the offense. Seven verses later, this is how blind I could be. Seven verses later in Matthew 7, 6, Jesus says to these same people in the same conversation, don't throw what is holy to dogs or cast your pearl before swine, Mm -hmm. or else they'll turn and tear you to pieces. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, go on the offense. But then he says, but sometimes you've got to learn how to play defense. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found is that I never really took the need to play defense seriously. Because I think I was naive about evil, that evil exists. Evil's going to take its pound of flesh. um, And the church has to stand against evil. And so when you look in scripture, there are times very clearly where Christians are told, obey the government. God's instituted the authority of the government. And then the disciples break the authority of the government when government overreaches and they say, don't preach. There's a point where Paul says, honor the elders of the church. And in the same passage, but if an elder misbehaves, here's how you deal with it. So that authority is not absolute. It's where Paul says to fathers um, or to children, submit yourselves to your parents and then to fathers. Don't exasperate your children. Mm-hmm. And and there's a bad and this might be more controversial to some, but after Paul says to wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, he says in Colossians three, husbands love your wives and never be harsh with them. Mm-hmm. So every time Paul talks about any kind, however you wanted to find the word submit, I, I want to get into that debate, but however you find any sense of authority, Paul makes it clear there's only one absolute authority, and that's God. And mm-hmm. so divorce used as a weapon because you've fallen out of love, or you think you found someone better, or you don't want to do the work, God is clearly against that. We can grow through learning to grow back together. We shouldn't ever use divorce as a weapon. But when divorce is a tool to free a person from the toxic clutches of a toxic, destructive Mm -hmm. person, then I think we can recognize that's God's gift to us. Wow. that we have to use. Because sometimes, look, I've, I've seen it without divorce. There can still be um, financial implications. There's still legal implications. It's a severe remedy. And mm. and what broke my heart is when, when I wrote Sacred Marriage, I knew that some people could take it too far and say, well, Gary is saying if a mar- difficult marriage is good and abusive marriage is good, that's not what I said. But some people interpret that way. And with when to walk away, some people might say, well, okay, divorce is okay. And so we're just not together anymore. So we're just going to get it. I'm not saying that either. Mm -hmm. It's it's just hard because you know, your words can be taken farther than you intend. But I think scriptures speak to both sides. That Mm -hmm. God will have the victory if two people will work to keep their marriage together. But we also dare not be naive about evil people. Um, when they come to the church, they need to find a church that stands against evil, and not try to preserve a platform through which a toxic person can terrorize and destroy the soul of another person.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know there are some uh, in our podcast family who are listening in and they're getting that uh, that nudge or that inclination or that 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 wonder of is my spouse toxic? Um, am I toxic? And if if you're there, definitely read the book because mm-hmm. I mean Gary. I mean this is a short interview, but Gary, you just have poured yourself into the book, and uh, it's just the number of notes you should like. You should just see your copy, <laughs> underlines, <laughs> notes, yeah. stars, dog ears. You guys it's just, making
3: my day. Thank no, you. It's
1: it's been so powerful. But but what advice would you give someone who is there and they're like, wait, am I toxic, or oh, I think my spouse is toxic. No. What would you say to them?
3: Yeah. No. Well, when, when I do conferences, back before COVID and I could do conferences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that, that, early on, that was a very common question because I would read the whole list about anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, or controlling or whatnot. And, and some people would say, oh no. <laughs> what if I am? And, and let me say, make a distinction between toxic acts and toxic people. Mm. If, if a mother has a drug addict son, she might slip into being controlling, not because she's toxic, but because she loves her son more than she loves her own life. Control mm-hmm. is not a good strategy, but it's not because she's toxic, she's, again, misguided strategy, but a heart of gold. Yeah. And and so you, you don't take these acts and remove them from the motivation. Um, the, the second thing though I would say is Toxic people are often the last to know they're toxic. They label everybody else toxic. Yeah. So if you're thinking you might be toxic, that kind of shows a humility that means, no, you probably have toxic acts but um, that you need to repent of, yeah. but you're probably not likely to be um, a toxic person. Wow. Um, and I think being aware of toxic, I, I, what really caught me by surprise people might say it sounds funny when you're writing a book, but the whole chapter on control mongers is a part of toxicity. I have I'm so careful of it now, even with my own kids, their adult kids or others, I realize that's a toxic thing to do. And so I just make sure I don't go there. So um, if you think you might be, you know, you can just kind of look through those chapters of a toxic person and say, okay, I want to get rid of that act. I don't want to be um, an act like, a toxic person. Um, mm-hmm. If you think you might be married to one, this is where I think a counselor can help. But I would say individual mm-hmm. counseling, not couple counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Toxic people are great at gaslighting. They're mm-hmm. often great at, at conning. You need to go one-on-one with a wise counselor who can just dialogue with you and figure out, okay, this is what's happening and that's what's happening and then help you develop a strategy for that. Um, one of the chapters that I, I, I love in here is leaving toxicity instead of the marriage. A husband yeah, and wife, yeah, realized yeah. they were both acting toxic, but they had good hearts. They loved the Lord. They needed somebody to point out their toxicity. And one of them, frankly, for the guy who was reading Sacred Marriage, he said, oh, my gosh, you know, I just, I, I've looked at this the wrong way. And so he started acting differently and his wife started acting differently. And that's, again, two repentant believers in Jesus Christ can leave the mm-hmm. toxicity instead of the marriage. But if you think it's only you alone and you're married to a truly toxic person, you need individual counseling um, who can then help you see whether it's appropriate to go to couples counseling or whether you just maybe need to develop some self-defense. Yeah. Let's yeah,
2: I think that's so powerful. Mm. And Gary, um, what you were saying before, too, as you're writing the book and you had mentioned your age, like, oh, it, was it naivety or just you just didn't know? And even as Daniel and I were going towards our 40s and reading the book, and like, mm. oh, I wish we had known this, <laughs> even as teenagers, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that oh, we would have that. just been able to really, a development of ourselves and the relationships around us would just would have been healthier. <laughs> so as parents of younger children who are approaching the teenage years, how can we help our children understand the toxicity of people, but at the same time, not give into the cancel culture that we're a part of?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I I think, um, one, for me, it would be giving them a sense of how affirmed and accepted they are by God as they are. Mm. Toxic people prey on a weak sense of worth and mission. You matter because you're a child of the most powerful being in the universe, God himself. You were created by him. And because you surrendered your life to him, you have a mission. You don't have to let yourself be beaten up. Mm -hmm. And, And people might push back and say, well, Jesus was a martyr. This is another thing that surprised me. I cite three or four instances where people tried to persecute Jesus, tried to beat Jesus up, tried to kill Jesus before his time. And Jesus said, no, not today. Mm. He he did lay down his life as all of us must be willing to lay down our life. But when he decided it was God's will that he do that, not Mm. before. And Paul did the same thing. Paul allowed himself at the end of his life to go to Rome where he was arrested and killed. But before that, he was let outside of a city on the side of a basket. He escaped. And Mm. so letting our kids know being a Christian doesn't mean you have to be a punching bag. Mm. If this isn't accomplishing any good, it's a wise thing to walk away. And mm. in fact, that's probably more common to walk away than not. And to realize if somebody is making you feel bad about yourself, if you have to recover from them, if when their name comes up on your phone, your blood pressure immediately spikes, mm. it's not, it's not healthy for you. Mm. I, here's an analogy I've used with groups. Um, Cause it, it, it kind of just helps puts it in a different way. My wife is a super healthy, organic locally grown, sustainable person as far as food. You know, one of those, those those kinds of people, right? (laughs) Maybe one of the healthiest eaters in the world. I I haven't, but she's been wanting me to go on this elimination diet forever. Um, And basically you take these blood tests. It tells you this food is, you know, it could sap your energy. It's causing headaches, maybe you have sinus issues or whatnot. And then you gradually introduce the foods. Well, for me, unfortunately, the test came back. Everything I like to eat, I couldn't eat for three weeks. basically. Oh, no. And um, we got through it. But here's the thing. Toxic foods aren't necessarily going to put me into the hospital. Mm. They just may make me listless. They may just have a sinus headache. They may just make my thinking foggy and cloudy. But if I want to live life to the full, I shouldn't eat those foods because they just, Mm. they don't agree with my body. Well, the same thing's true relationally. You don't have to tell everybody this person is toxic. It's just, if they have that effect on you where you have to build yourself up, it's like, if you're allergic to eggs, don't eat eggs. It doesn't mean you have to tell other people not to eat eggs, but if (laughs) eggs don't work for you, you don't have to. So recognize those people and say, you know what? I want to have healthy friendships. I want to reach out to people who really want our, our honest inquir- inquirers and mm. feel like I have something to share. And if somebody mm. says, I don't like you, okay. And, and, and not to take it personally, but the best antidote to toxic relationships is healthy relationships. Yeah. Invest right. in healthy relationships where you're learning from someone, where you're teaching someone, and you're just side to side, shoulder to shoulder friends with someone. And, and so yeah. just giving kids permission to walk away, to not be bullied, um, to not have their worth, let anyone else determine whether they're worthy or acceptable or have mm-hmm. something to say, because y- you guys have alluded to it in this cancel culture. This culture is looking for scalps. Um, yeah. I, I read an article. It was fascinating that psychologically, it's literally like social hunting, the same adrenaline, I've never been a hunter, but the same adrenaline that a hunter gets when he or she brings down a buck or an elk or something like that, Uh these people get when they destroy somebody's reputation. It's like they're looking for reputation headhunters is is really what they are. That's why they don't accept apologies. That's why we see apologies don't work. It's not about changing the world to be a better place. It's literally about trophy hunting. And I I think Uh we just need to say we don't need to be a party to that. This
0: episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BAU, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
1: Yeah, yeah well you know the the wonderful thing uh, as as Christians is the the fact that Jesus brings about beauty from the ashes right yeah. and that there's this narrative in and around reconciliation and uh, there there are certain relationships and and moments where that happens uh, on this side of eternity <laughs> uh, other moments and other relationships where we may not fully experience that. Uh, on on the side of attorney but yet there's a discernment uh, right i mean we live we've talked a lot about our our cultural you know a lot of what's going on in our culture but one other aspect is this notion of right now instant gratification click to order right i mean anyone can click to order your book right now right and (laughs) download it on kindle or whatever like it's everything is immediate um and and i feel like too often to satiate the angst that we are feeling we want to just wrap up things and 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 fix relationships and and get everything done we don't want to wait we don't want to wait the long time that sometimes relationships might uh, that reconciliation might uh, take in a relationship so just in finishing off this episode we'd love for you to give us some final words around reconciliation like where does reconciliation fit into all of this
3: yeah It it goes back to the very freeing words about control. Um, The Old Testament famous passage is, choose you this day whom you will serve. Hmm. Joshua was a prophet who followed Moses, who says to Israel, my family is going to follow Yahweh, the Lord. Hmm. You've got to make a choice of who you follow. In the New Testament, we have Jesus walking away from people and the book of Revelation saying, I stand at the door, knock. If you open up the door, I'll enter in. If you don't, I'm not going to break down the door. Hmm. The New Testament talks about demonic possession. It never talks about God possession. Hmm. While while Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. So Satan might try to control us. That's not the way that God operates. So what does this have to do with Hmm. reconciliation? I can invite and I can love I can't determine someone else's action. If they don't want to be reconciled, that's not on me. That's not on them. I'm to repent where I need to repent. I'm to ask for forgiveness. If forgiveness is warranted. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. people would try to, uh, you know, I I think of Judas saying, well, I'm not the one that's going to betray you. And Jesus looks at him right before he's, yeah, yeah, you are. (laughs) Peter saying, I I will never deny you, Jesus. He says, actually, yeah, you will Peter three times today. Mm -hmm. And, And so, I'm not going to apologize where an apology isn't warranted for the sake of reconciliation, because it has to be based on truth. Yeah. And if they respond, boom, we got something great going on. Wow. If they walk away, I have to let them walk away, or I choose to walk away. That's where Jesus did. So reconciliation is a glorious thing. It's a grace-filled thing, but we can't control it. We can invite wow. reconciliation, we can't make it, and that's not a failure on your part. It's a failure on the part of the person who fails to forgive or for whatever reason just doesn't like you, um, and then you have to let that go.
1: Well, oh, Gary, I know um, in reading your book, there's a lot of freedom for us. Yeah. In okay, hearing you. you talk about this and this interview, there's even just those last words, just uh, in in our lives with others. Um, I know that's that was just... Yeah. Mic Fault. drop moment. Huge, <laughs> Gary. So man, thank you so much for your ministry, for your life, uh, for your legacy, and, and for writing this book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. I know, I know it can be picked up wherever books are sold, but um, for our podcast family that wants to just uh, dig a little bit deeper, where's the best way for them to find you and all, all the other um, incredible aspects of your ministry?
3: Yeah. Well, the easiest way is just to go to my website, which is garythomas.com. If you remember my name, Gary Thomas, just put a dot com on the end and, and you'll get <laughs> there. And can I just say one last word to sort yeah, of wrap of up what, yeah. what we're saying? Because the biggest lesson for me in learning to deal with toxic people was, and, and I'm saying this because I picked up this may be true in your own recent situation and your ministry and business. I have to become comfortable with people not liking me. And people may even lie about me. Uh, oh my but goodness. but I go with where how Nehemiah ended the book of the Bible by his name. Remember me with favor, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ultimately, I'm responsible to God. I want God to think well of me. I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful person, my good and faithful servant. But that toxic people, they may gossip, they may lie. And if we're if we're beholden to people's opinions that everybody think we're a nice person, we're vulnerable to toxic people. If we get to where Nehemiah is, remember me with favor my God, we, we, ha- we are so defended against toxic people manipulating us. So th- they can wow. look at, at videos and interviews. And I think even the first chapter on my website, GaryThomas.com, if you go to mm. books, uh, there's also a website actually, When to Walk Away Book dot um, com where they could get that as well
1: wow i i feel like there's microphones all over the ground right now like, like <laughs> you just even, i was like oh my goodness even just that last exactly point, i was like, I was like yeah oh wow okay going I have to chew on
2: that one a <laughs> yes. little
1: bit more <laughs> Man. well gary thank you so much thank you so much for being with us
3: today that is my pleasure thank you for having me back
2: Like, what do you even say after that? <laughs> Honestly, there was so much. Even the last little part yeah. that he said that you just can't please everybody mm. and you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will probably just play that, you know, 15 seconds over and over and over again because yeah. that's what I really need to remember. Yes, as you're an right. avid people pleaser myself, regardless of they're toxic or not, it was just something innate in me. And so I really need to be able to build those boundaries and to be aware of who is stealing my joy and who is stealing my thoughts uh, and making me kind of ruminate in all of this negativity. And it may not be right now, right? Mm -hmm, We don't have people mm -hmm. in our life right now. um, But in the future, we at least have the tools in our tool belt to be able to know what next steps to take.
1: Yeah. And perhaps as you were listening to this, a friend came to mind or someone else came to mind that you know, is struggling with a toxic relationship and in being in a toxic relationship, then perhaps this is something that you could share with them just to spark a conversation. You probably don't want to send this to the person who you think is toxic to you. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if that would go that well. Uh, but we do not recommend that. No. <laughs> yes. But uh, honestly, in reading this book and in interviewing Gary, Christina and I have just grown so much. And, and even between then and now, we have recommended this book over and over mm-hmm. and over to so many different people because I think the wisdom, the wisdom that God gave them through this book is um, is just going to be really important in the days to come.
2: So for all the show notes and any of the links about Gary Thomas, go to inbetween.org slash episode 136.
1: Fantastic. So next week, Christina, what are we going to be talking about?
2: We are going to be talking about how to repair your relationship after a big fight.
1: Mm, yes. Hopefully not with too many <laughs> personal stories. <laughs>
2: Or at least personal stories from the past. Oh, yes. Not really recent ones, right? (laughs) We'll be good this week, won't we? that's right. That's
1: right. All right. Well, thanks again for listening in, and we'll catch you next time.